Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, those who are listening online. My name is Rick Thompson. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are here today. Um, I heard a, did you hear the, the, what I heard about a man and his wife? who reportedly had a wife that was kind of nagging all the time, went on a vacation to Jerusalem where they were, um, where the wife suddenly just kind of passed away. The undertaker came and told the husband, you can have her shipped home for $5,000 or you can have her buried here in the Holy Land for just $150. The man thought about it after a while and then he made a decision. He said, no, I, I would like my wife shipped home, please. The undertaker turned and asked, well, why would, you, why would you do that? Why would you spend 5000 to ship your wife home when it would be wonderful to be buried here in Jerusalem? And you'd only spend $150. But the man replied, well, sir, long ago I heard about a man who died, was buried, and three days later he rose from the dead. He it. said, I just can't take the chance. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry, I have to do a little bit of dark, dark humor <laughs> the day after Christmas. I hope everybody had a great Christmas time. I know I did. Uh, it was a little different because we know all of what's going on in the world today. We had this modified version of um, Christmas where we, instead of the kids and the family coming over to our house, we had to take the presents to our grandkids' house and stay outside and do the whole mask thing and, you know, just to keep safe. And... Um, we did the exchanges uh, on my daughter's in our front lawn, on her front lawn. The kids were real happy. They were running over. They wanted to give us hugs. Just, just, just keep our distance just a little bit, you know, this year. But um, at one point, my, my son-in-law and my daughter says to me, he says, you know, Dad, do you, do you play the lottery? I said, well, I've never bought a ticket, but if somebody bought me a ticket, I would certainly play it, you know. <laughs> I said, well, we got you a ticket. I said, oh, okay, well, how does this one work? They showed me this, you know, ticket thing, and it said $20 on the top. He said, well, you scratch it off, you scratch off the numbers, then there's a whole bunch of numbers underneath. You scratch those off, and if they match, then you win whatever the, the number is under it. And I said, oh, that's great. So right away, it says on the top, you can win up to a million dollars. And I said, uh, he says, so, so Pops, my son-in-law, if, if you win, are you going to give me? I want half. I said, okay, you can have half. All right, that's fine. Just, I mean, what's the odds of anyone winning these things anyway? So I'm scratching away, scratching away. Nothing, second row, nothing, third row, nothing. The, the fourth row, I hit a number. I said, oh, I'm getting a little excited. Number hit. And then he said, well, scratch the father, see how much you won. I scratched her father. It said, uh, 28, mass 28, $1 million. I said, look at that. I think I might have won. I, my wife immediately says, this has got to be a joke. <laughs> right? She said, I said, no. I mean, she said, read the instructions. It says, if you scratch and match, it's, it's, you win a million dollars. So Eric comes over, and he, he says, let me see that card. I, 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 want, I want my card back. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he said he says, no, this is legitimate. Are you still going to give me half? I said, listen, 
after taxes, you know, 30, they take 30, 40% right off the bat. Then I got to give tithe to the church, you know, and so whatever's left of that, I'll give you, I'll give you half. My wife says, give me that card. <laughs> Let me see that card. She reads the card, and, and on the back of the card, in very small print, this is what it says. It says, these prizes are available in full wherever tickets are sold in your dreams. Eric is no longer part of the family. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Eric. I know you're watching online. That wasn't very funny, though. But uh, appropriate with all this dark humor, appropriate to the, to, to the video and the message today, we're in a series or we're ending a series today that we have entitled Christmas Gossip, where we've been taking and asking the question, did you hear what I heard about some juicy biblical story surrounding the Christmas story that got people talking? The first one was the miracle and the mute. And in that lesson, one of the main lessons was that we learned that silence can be golden. Amen? I mean, sometimes the best thing you can do is just be quiet while God blesses you. Uh, next one was the two pregnant cousins where we figured out that one of the cousins was like 14, 15 years old, and she was pregnant, and she wasn't married. And that's what got people talking. And then last week, we talked about the messenger, the manger, and the miracle gift from God. And again, all these stories got people's mouths talking back in those days, and most, mostly because that one was surrounding the birth of Jesus. So most of it was, was in a good way. Well, today's message also got people talking, but probably in the most horrible way man, imaginable because it was the events that happened after that amazing Christmas day, after the birth of Jesus. And so today we're going to see what lessons we can learn from Though that, that story, I've called this message the Magi and the Mad King. And the Mad King meaning, yes, he was angry, but he was also cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He had to be if he did what he did, what the Bible says he did. Now, we pick up that story in Matthew chapter 2, but to give you some background, it says that the Bible says Magi, a wise man, came from the east to Jerusalem following after star that they believed would lead them to the one who would be born king of the Jews. And so they entered Jerusalem, and apparently it was a big enough entourage that caught the attention of the king of, of, of Jerusalem at the time, which was King Herod. Now, a lot of times we say, oh, we hear the song, We Three Kings, and there was three kings. The Bible doesn't say there was three kings. The Bible says there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I think it was a, a, it was a huge entourage of of, of people because it got the attention of the king. If it was just three people showing up with a few people, I don't think it would have got the attention of the king. But they came, and it got the attention of the king, who upon hearing the news, uh, the Bible says, became troubled along with all of Jerusalem. Because if they're going to get be troubled, uh, if the king is going to be troubled, how many know that all of Jerusalem is going to be troubled as well? Whoever the king is, if the king ain't doing well, no one's doing well. So, this entourage comes into town, asks, where's the one who was born king of the Jews? And so he's troubled. Well, what do you mean? He's king. <laughs> what do you mean king of the Jews? So he summons his wise men, and they go back to the, whole, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, and they determine where the prophets say the king was going to be born, somewhere in Bethlehem. And so he turns and he instructs the Magi to go to Bethlehem and do a search in Bethlehem and when they find the Christ child or the one who would be born king come back send word to him so that he too can go worship the king 
Well, we know that his intent was never to worship the king. His intent was to kill the king if he, could, if he got a chance. And, of course, that's what he, he would try to do. We'll, we'll read that story. But God tips off the wise men in a dream, and he tells them not to go back the same way they came. How many of you know that will preach by itself, right? If we could stop going back the same way we came, we would do well in this life. Stop going back to the things that God delivered us from, you know, already, and, and continue to go to the path that God has taught us or, or showed us, we would do well. But he told them to take a different route home, and they did. But the story doesn't end there. You would think, okay, king thwarted, happy ending, it, uh, some days after Christmas. But it doesn't end there. I wish it all did because I love happy endings. I love when there's a pretty bow. I, I would have loved to have won a million dollars, you know, the whole thing. But the dream for, these, for many people turns into a nightmare. And let me read the rest of the story. Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. It says, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he gets up, he takes the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. Verse 16. And when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he got orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And so we see this prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 15. And, and who is Rachel? Rachel was the wife of Jacob. Jacob meant supplanter. And when he, when he had an encounter with God, uh, God changed his name from supplanter to Israel. Israel means God prevails or someone who struggles with God. And he was considered the father of, of the Israel nation. Israel was considered the father of the nation. They took his name. And, and, and so if he was the father, she would be considered what? Rachel would be considered what? The mother. Someone say the mother. mother. The mother of the nation. And so what did that wicked king do? Well, by the time he realized he was duped by the Magi, he reasoned that he, in, in accordance with the timeline that the Magi had given him, he concluded that the Christ could be as young as a newborn or as old as two years old. And rather than sending a search party of his own to bring gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh or even just best wishes, Mazel Tov would have done. Come on, somebody. In his jealous rage, he becomes a tool of Satan and he sends a death squad to Bethlehem to murder all the boys two years old and under in the hopes of securing his legacy and that of his heirs to the throne. Wow, what a despicable act. And so, friends, those first Christmas sounds didn't just include the sounds of bells ringing and angels singing and the sounds of animals and feeding and sheep bleeding surrounded by the little drummer boy playing boom, 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 boom. That's not actually in the Christmas story, the original one. But playing and swaying 
we picture Mary singing a lullaby to her baby. Because in, in according to Matthew's gospel, the rest of the story, if you will, within just a short time, for many, that night turned into a nightmare. And all those happy and excited sounds were shortly replaced by the harsh shouts of Herod's death squads doing Herod's business. Silent night, holy night was replaced by the cries of children and the wailing of anguished mothers who could not be comforted, as the scripture says. Rachel was crying for her children. This, my friends, unfortunately is part of the original Christmas story. And the truth is, in many cases, it parallels what's going on in life today because for many people, this time of year isn't just about mistletoes and secret Santas and Christmas Hallmark endings where they put a pretty bow on everything. For many people, they're dealing with real-life issues like the loss of loved ones or people in the hospital or what was on the news again, another mass shooting economic hardships or, or, or sickness in their body. For many people, this Christmas was about an empty chair at the table. Even just for pandemics, trying to do it through FaceTime and all this other stuff. But the good news is that with this first days after Christmas account, we're going to see in Matthew that God is revealing some universal truths that are going to help us all. And I want you, everyone should have been given an outline. I want you to fill it in as we go. Three things that God is telling us out of this Christmas story, as, as horrific as it sounds. Number one, there is suffering in this world, but God came to bear the suffering with us. There is suffering in this world, but God came to bear it with us. Now, what does God, the scripture, call Jesus? He calls him Emmanuel. Which means what? God with, us. God with us. God with us. Now, why is that important? Because as I reason, many, many of us have what I call friends and family that are sometime. Does anyone know what I mean by sometime? When they feel like it. Sometimes they're with us and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they have your back. And sometimes they don't. And then sometimes they're stabbing you in the back. There's sometimes people. And many of us know people that are that kind of same way when it comes to the things of the Lord. Sometimes they're following after the things of the Lord hard. And sometimes they just don't feel like it. Sometimes they, they want to show up. And sometimes they, 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 they don't. They don't volunteer. Or oftentimes they call in with excuses. I'm not talking about great excuses. I'm not talking about legitimate excuses. We know the difference between legitimate excuses and you just sometimes, you're just a sometimes person. Again, I call them sometimes people. But as it relates to our Heavenly Father, aren't you glad that he's not a sometime God? Come on, somebody. That sometimes he's for us and then sometimes he's not. Sometimes he'll show up and sometimes he doesn't. We don't serve a sometime God. We serve an all-the-time God. Amen? We serve a God that the Bible says will stick closer than a brother. That he's with us in good times and in bad times. He's the same God who's the God of the mountaintops as, as the ones of the valleys. There, there's a story in the Bible where the children of Israel were fighting their enemies and the enemies were constantly losing. 
And they determined wrongly that the reason we're losing is because we're fighting them on the hilltops and on the mountaintops. And their God is the God of the mountaintops, and our God is the God of the valleys. And so, so we need to draw them out to the valleys. Well, only they, they, they tried to draw them out only to find out that not only is God the God of the mountains, he's the God of the valleys as well. Amen? Amen? Come on, somebody. And, 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 if it, and, and that's, and I, I would love to have only mountaintop experiences in our lives, but that's not reality. That's not been my reality for the last two years. But the truth is, if it weren't for the valleys, you wouldn't appreciate the mountaintops as much. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Truth is, we're, we are, we're going to have to go down sometimes and feel lonely sometimes and appreciate, unappreciated sometimes. But, but, but that's when we remember that he is Emmanuel, God with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And, and if I have a God, if God is on my side, I may be down, but I'm never out. Amen? I may face challenges, but I'm never defeated. And the Bible says even when I'm facing death and death situations, we have the victory in Jesus. That doesn't mean we won't have those battles. And that doesn't mean that life is not going to deal us with with having to deal with Herod's in our lives. I call Herod's types of devil pawns. Especially when you start to live for the Lord. Now, you need to hear that. When you start to live for the Lord, the Herod's are going to show up in your life. A Herod is a dream killer. More specifically, a Herod is God's dream killer that the enemy has sent into your life to rob you of certain things. Rob you of joy and rob you of hope and and the vision that God has placed in your life. It might be someone close to you as well, but just like the devil, they're always going to try to kill that dream. Now, the side note, when is the best time to kill a dream? Someone say, when it's young. When it's young. And the younger, the better. The devil will always apply a kill it while it's small strategy. You remember the story of Joseph in the Bible? He got, he got a God dream. And, it, and when he told his brothers, what did his brothers, his jealous brothers try to do? They wanted to try to kill him. And, and if they had succeeded, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have just killed him. They would have killed themselves as well because God's plan for the entire family to survive was, was in the fulfillment of the dream that, that he gave to Joseph. Watch out for those dream killers in your life. That's why you're the most vulnerable as a newborn babe in Christ. That's why it's important to get plugged in and stay plugged in to a church because the devil will do whatever it takes to get you and I off of God's plan, to send discouragement or, or, or to send someone to try to kill what God is trying to do. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have, help me out, somebody, that in me you may have peace. Where is that peace found? God. It's found in Jesus Christ. He says, in this world you will have trouble but take heart, I have overcome this world. And so he wants us to know that in, in God and in Jesus, you can have peace. Uh, but in this world, there's only going to be trouble. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be difficulties. But he said, take heart because I have not abandoned you to the, to the world by yourself. In me, he has overcome the world, he's saying. So just like Jesus had to deal with potential dream killers in his life, so will we. Now, the good news is that, that he says he will never leave, with, leave us or forsake us, that we're never going to have to deal with it by ourselves. Amen? There's suffering in this world, but God came to bear it with us. Let me give you the second 
thing that God wants us to know that God is saying through this story. He's saying that there is uncertainty in this world, but God came to lead us through it. There's uncertainty in this world, but he came to lead us through it. Now think about it just for a moment. How much could the Magi and even Joseph have known? They got this prophetic dream to get up and go. God tells Joseph to take Mary and the child and pack up their belongings and leave Bethlehem and go to Egypt, a place far away that, as far as we know, they never been. Now, I've been a few places in this world. I've had the privilege of traveling to Russia a couple of times and India most recently. I've been to Belarus and Israel and Haiti, places like that. But most of the time when I've gone to these places, I've gone with interpreters or people who live there and they know where we're going. They know our itinerary for that day and the next day until I leave. Usually I know where I'm spending the night and where I'm going to get my next meal. Mary and Joseph, when they fled to Egypt, they, they went not knowing where they were going to stay. They didn't know what the future held for them. All they knew was that God was leading the way. Now think about what they knew versus what they didn't know. They'd been told by the angel that Jesus was to be the Savior, but what was their responsibility in this? How were they supposed to raise the Son of God? What, what were they to do next? And what did the future hold for them? There was so much that they just didn't know. In the same way as we go through life, in, in, in the light that we have, there's a lot of uncertainties, and we know that, especially today. If you're a young person in here today or listening online, uh, you're trying to figure out what, what the next move of your life is going to be. After high school, do you go to college? Do you go to trade school? What do you study? What exactly is the right amount of time to mooch off your parents? I mean, stay with your parents. There's uncertainty. As you get older, you wonder if and when, uh, if and when will you get married? Is this the one? How do you determine true love? Is it really found in a kiss like Disney says? Uh, uh, and if it is, how many frogs do you have to kiss before you find your prince, right? Uncertainty. As we get older still, there's uncertainty about jobs and finances and raising children and finding a home. How are you going to pay for all your financial obligations uh, that you're racking up? For some of you, you spent, you spent next, next month's rent on this Christmas all right, so you're trying to figure out how to, how to pay for Christmas. And now we got the pandemic and we got inflation and the cost of living. There is uncertainty. As you get older still, you start to wonder, is this pain in my back or my chest something minor? Is it serious? Are you going to be able to retire at a certain age? Will there be any money left in Social Security when you get there? Folks, we're wondering and we're always wondering what the next move is going to be. Why? Because life is uncertain. But Mary and Joseph had one great advantage. They, they knew that God was leading the way and that God would take care of them. You see, the same Jesus who, whose little body was being tossed around or jostled around as they journeyed to Egypt, one day when he grew up, he was going to tell the multitudes that God cares for the birds of the, uh, uh, of the air and the lilies of the field. 
And if God would feed the birds of the air and clothe the lilies of the field, that he says, don't be concerned about what we're going to eat or drink or wear because God cares for us. Amen? And as Christians, we have the advantage of knowing that while we don't know what tomorrow holds, we know who holds tomorrow's in his hands. Amen? And he wants to let us, he wants us to let him lead the way. There's uncertainty in this world. But there's a God who leads us through every uncertain aspect of our lives if we let him. And finally, listen, the last thing that God wants us to know is this. There's death in the world, but God came to overcome it, right? God came to overcome it. Because the truth of the matter is there was death on that day so long ago in Bethlehem when the cries of children and their moms pierced the night air. Innocent children, victims of jealousy and selfishness. When he sent that death squad to the houses to rip the children out of the hands of their mothers. But there was one child who was saved, one child who was carried off to Egypt. And that one child that was saved would one day sacrifice himself. And in that one selfless act, he would save all the children and peoples of the world who would place their trust in him. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. The Magi followed and worshipped him because in that one sacrifice, death would be defeated forever and ever. Is there death in the world? Yes. But we serve a God who has overcome death and the grave. And for the Christian, when, when our loved ones pass on, how many of you know it's not goodbye? It's until we meet again. Amen? It's until we meet again. So 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul tells us this. He says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. He says, you will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. And our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then... When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For, the sin, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the Lord gives sin its power. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory over sin and death. Through who? Lord Jesus. Through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Come on, somebody. That's good news. That's good news, that even when we're facing death itself, we have victory in Jesus Christ. God, through Jesus has come to help us in our times of suffering. That is a fact. It says, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. He invites you to turn those situations over to him. He also came to lead us in our times 
of uncertainty. There's a lot we don't know about what's going on in this world, but we know the one who holds this world in his hands, Amen. and we can put our trust in him. Amen. And lastly, he came to give us victory over death, and he offers himself to us as a free gift if we will receive him, if we will receive him. He invites us to, to let us know that the biggest fear that most people have is the fear of dying. And he says, I've, there's one man who came back from the dead who says, you know what, I, I can tell you exactly what's going to take place if you, place your, if you would place your trust and hope in him. And that's Jesus. He said, if you place your trust in me, he says, I will promise you eternal life for everyone who does it. And so as we come to a close this morning, yes, there's bad news in the world. And yes, um, there's difficulties that we're facing, but we are not facing them by ourselves. Amen? We're facing them with a God who loves us and cares for us and wants us to know that we are not alone. It would be my privilege and my honor to, to lead those in a, in a commitment to the Lord. If you've not yet trusted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, that's your first step, always your first step. Admitting that you're a sinner, you need a Savior, believing that Jesus is God's Son, and then confessing um, your faith in Him. Let's everyone bow our heads and close our eyes. And if that's you today, if you've not yet done that, say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Come into my life. Come into my heart. From this day forward, thank you, Lord, that even though tragedies happen and struggles happen, you've not abandoned me to my situation, my circumstance. Reveal yourself to me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, with your power and your love. Thank you that even though you died three days later, you rose from the dead, giving us victory over sin and death. Because, because you live, we shall live as well. Today, I put my trust completely in you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And we all said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.